one, the elements of an effective treatment method. Okay, well, didn't I already go over the stuff? No, I went over the formula of a person succeeding in rehab. This is different. This is a treatment method. What would be an effective treatment method? And of which Elevate is its own individual method. And I'm going to recap the top five things that I mentioned that make successful treatment, in my opinion. Of course, it's all in my opinion. And I'm going to spend the entire part one on the first one. I'll read them all, all five, and then I will spend the entire rest of the time on the first one. So the five things are, number one, no labels. Number two, no judgment or shaming. Number three, structure and plenty of productive activities. Number four, allow vulnerability and teach real responsibility. And number five, support from loved ones without enabling. All right, so let's spend all this time on number one, no labels. Why is that so important? Well, I've been around a while, and I remember back in the day when we didn't have all these labels. Everything wasn't categorized into a whole little cookie cutter. When I first came into this industry back in the 90s, if somebody was in addicted, you would say they were an addict. They were experiencing addiction. You could, you could separate that by saying they're an alcoholic or they are a drug addict. Those were sort of the two things. You're either out, you're, if, it's, if it's alcohol you're addicted to, you're an alcoholic. If it's drugs you're addicted to, you're a drug addict. And that's just the way that it was. And no one really got offended by saying, oh, I'm not an addict. I am a person experiencing addiction. Okay, whatever. I mean, semantics. I understand if you're trying to give the power to the person and you're trying to say that person is an addicted person, not an addict, because you're trying not to label them. So I understand. I support that. No problems there. I think back in the 90s and earlier, people just weren't offended by the label. They were like, yeah, I'm an alcoholic, man. I, I drink a lot of beer. Or, yeah, I use heroin every day. I guess I'm an addict. That's what it is. Uh, so anyway... I don't like labels because you see th that things these days are broken down very specific. And I go into the book. Now, it's not even just drug addiction. It's substance use disorder. So substance use disorder. So you have a disorder. You have a disorder. Okay. That's, that's interesting. It's like a condition. And not only do you have substance use disorder... Now it's broken down further. What category of substance use disorder do you have? Do you have alcohol use disorder? Do you have marijuana use disorder? Do you have opioid use disorder? Well, so, and, and, you, and the list goes on. You could have basically anything could be called a use disorder, right? Because who makes up these rules? Just people. They just decide, sit around and decide. I would imagine if someone wanted to, they could look at me and look at my belly and say, you probably have sugar use disorder, don't you? And I would have to say, well, I probably do. I mean, I, I misuse sugar. I misuse carbs compared to what it would be for a healthy person. Uh, sure, you know, that's great. But, but to call it a disorder is giving you this label that you have this condition. Disor I, the, that, the whole word disorder, my God, it just, it just sounds gross to me. So you have a disorder, something wrong, something is wrong with you. 
because you are not using alcohol. You have a disorder concerning alcohol. Okay, I get it. And you can say, well, these things are all just words. They're all just harmless. But are they really? Because when you have, when you're telling someone they have a disorder, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like making them a victim, right? Which I talked about in the last part. You're making them a victim. You have this condition. I'm so sorry you have a th- this condition. It's called alcohol use disorder. Oh my God, I do? Yeah, it causes you to drink a lot. Oh, it does? That's, what, that's what's causing that? It's not just me wanting to party? No, no, you have this use disorder. Oh, wow. Right? It's sort of like, it's, it's putting, the, putting the cause on something else than the person. It, it doesn't make any sense to me unless you, you were intentionally doing that so that you're trying to make victims out of people. So anyway, I, I go into my example about how um, we, there's this restless leg syndrome. And if you have restless leg syndrome and it's a valid syndrome and it's, you know, it's miserable for you, I'm sorry. I'm not trying to call you out. I'm not trying to say that doesn't exist or whatever. I don't know anything about it. I'm not a doctor, right? But I, do, I did have a friend who had um, been battling sleeplessness, insomnia for a long time from muscle cramping. And he had been to many doctors. He'd been giving, I believe, Ambien and different kinds of things to help him sleep, muscle relaxers, all these pharmaceuticals, all these different pills. And he was just not feeling any better. And he was mentioning it. And I said, oh, hey, why don't you try to uh, take this? And I I bought him some stuff on Amazon. It was $20. And it was um, a magnesium supplement. Because I said, oh, I, I muscle cramping yeah, magnesium. Sometimes those things are related. And, uh, he said, I can't believe it. Next time I talked to him, he said, I can't believe it. I'm sleeping great. The cramping in my legs is almost completely gone. I mean, this magnesium drink did more for me than all these pills combined. I can't believe it. It took me this long to figure this out. And I'm thinking to myself, that's crazy. How, how is it that you are not, how, how, how did no one check that? right? Like you go, you go to all these doctors. These are brilliant people, you know, probably much smarter than me, but I think that they've just been trained in a certain way. They're not trained to look for that. And then I go back to the labels and I say, okay, because it looks like what's happening now and the way that doctors are being trained. And again, no, no, um, I'm not trying to shame any doctors. You guys are all way smarter than me. Uh, you understand way more than I do, but the way I see it as a, as a outsider of your industry, other than treating addiction is that the way you get trained in medical school is you are trained to try to observe a condition like an, a disorder, right? An opioid use disorder or one of these kinds of things. And then you say, got it. That's what it is. The, the, the patient has told me a, B and C that, and I go into my manual and that fits this disorder. Got it. Okay. I figured out what it is. I've solved the puzzle. And then they say, okay, great. I'm diagnosing him. This person has from my expert opinion is, you know, this disorder. And then they go into their manual and they say, oh, well now what? Oh, you prescribe these meds. So everything is turned into observe a condition, label it and prescribe a medication. And that's what doctors do or, or are expected to do. Now, I don't know enough about the medical industry. Maybe you guys have way more autonomy than I'm saying, but from my observation and in speaking with doctors, they are, depending on where they work, oftentimes put into a box. Their day is filled with appointments 
where they'd much rather spend their time talking to a patient and really understanding what makes them tick, but they've got a lot of appointments back to back. They can spend so much time with a patient, not very much, usually like 10 or 15 minutes or less even. And then they have to just make a diagnosis and, you know, write a prescription, write a medication. That's what their job is. And then they go, and then they got to do a bunch of paperwork that they hate doing. We all hate doing paperwork, but that's the only way we get paid, right? Because that's how the insurance companies have made it that we have to document everything. So, so it's almost as if, and again, I'm getting my tinfoil hat back on. It's almost as if this system has been created purposefully to funnel people to get a dis- get to get labeled a disorder, which puts them in the victim mentality. I have this condition. I'm not just making choices that cause me to, you know, be screwing up my life, which is how it used to be back in the nineties. It was like, Hey, yeah, you just screwed up, man. You know, drink it too much. Jeez, you know, get it together. Um, it's become, no, you have a disorder. Oh no, it's not your fault. You have a disorder. You're a victim. Let me give you these pills. Let me give you these things. And then if that doesn't work, we'll try something else. It's correct me if I'm wrong, please. You can come out and tell me I'm wrong, but it just looks like the system is made this way in order to uh, potentially just make people victims and give them pharmaceuticals as their solutions. Because when somebody has gone to doctor after doctor after doctor, and not one of them asked if they were deficient in magnesium or ran some kind of a test to see that, why not? And it's not because they're not smart enough. They are. I just have to believe they haven't been trained to do that. And is it because is it because a blood test is expensive? Well, I mean, is it really? I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's that it should be that expensive. It certainly would should be better for a patient. Because if they're fumbling around for months and trying different meds, trying to figure out what's going on, it would have been way easier to just take a blood test and make sure that they are not deficient in magnesium, right? Who would benefit from this kind of a system? Well, I think we know. And I I hate to keep calling out Big Pharma. I don't know any of these people personally, right? I I don't know, but it just seems like it as an outsider, just seems like things are going that way. They're funneling in this direction. We all know they have power and money and, you know, the medical industry and them work hand in hand and, and all these kinds of things. So, I, I, you know, I'm not saying that one thing or another. I'm just saying that's how it looks to me. Uh, I will say also that when you go to a different type of doctor, like, for example, a naturopath or something like that, they seem way more interested in these kinds of things like your magnesium levels or your things like that, deficiencies and stuff like that. So why is that? So we have two different kinds of doctors. You have one that's a medical doctor practicing medicine, and you have sort of like a naturopath, which I don't even truthfully know what exactly is the licensing for that. But I do know that one would check for these deficiencies, another would not. And I just can't understand why not, unless there's some sort of a reason, some sort of an agenda. So anyway, I don't mean to go on this rant, guys. I don't mean to be political. I don't mean to like crap all over these industries. I'm just trying to make sense of things. I've been doing this 20 over 25 years. I'm trying to make sense of what's going on. And I'm hoping I can be enlightened because I feel the way that I feel now because of my experience. And maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong. I I don't know, but I do know that these are questions that people should probably be asking because things aren't getting better out there. And we have brilliant doctors and scientists and technology and all these things. And 
I want things to get better. So maybe if we're breaking everything down into a thousand different labels and diagnosing it and making everyone a specialist and a, you know, in, in the medical industry and make, making every patient a victim, maybe that isn't working. It doesn't seem like it's working for addiction very much.